We are live without Noor. We'll see how we go. Uh, anyway, everybody, thank you so much for joining us on yet another fantastic Tech Sales Insights sponsored by Sales Community. I am really excited to have Kristen Twining with us uh, today. How you doing, Kristen? Good. How are you, Randy? Excellent. Thank you. Kristen is at Firemon and the VP of Business Development and Inside Sales. And uh, back years ago, we had the pleasure of working together at HP. And I knew at the time she would be a, uh, at the time she was a rising star and she has uh, fulfilled my ambitions and she's still uh, going and growing and uh, do doing great. So uh, re really excited to have you today. Well, thank you so much. That's so kind of you. And I'm, I'm thrilled to be on. So thank you for having me. Absolutely. And for those that were on uh, last week, um, I apologize. That was my first one out of, I think, 31 or 32 episodes I missed. Uh, my uh, son's Duke baseball team won the ACC uh, tournament. So they're on now to the uh, NCAA tournament with uh, 63 other teams. So we'll see how that goes. So sorry for missing it last week, but uh, sound like Megan Sullivan and uh, Dave Knorr did great. And uh, Dave Knorr is actually uh, presenting at a live event in Colorado today. So he is uh, going to try and entrust me and uh, see, see how we do. So uh, anyway, why don't you uh, maybe give a brief introduction on your uh, background and your current role? Yeah, sure. Thanks. So as you said, I'm the Vice President of Business Development Inside Sales at Firemon. I've been here since September, so a really short amount of time, but have uh, really enjoyed it. Feels like I've been here longer, which has been great. Quick background on me. I've been in the tech industry for it'll be 15 years in July, which just sounds crazy to me. Yeah. Uh, I started out as an individual contributor sales rep. I've held many different individual contributor roles. Um, spent most of my career at Hewlett Packard Enterprise, which Randy, as you mentioned, that's how you and I uh, met and, and worked together. Um, I did everything from territory sales to strategic account sales to financial services sales to strategy and program uh, management. And prior to my leaving HP last June, I was leading the inside sales organization for two years there. Wow, fantastic! And um, just because I don't, I don't want to forget. I'm going to put in a, a shameless plug uh, for our book. Uh, so we have coming out uh, your go-to sales advisor. Really proud of it. Uh, Tony Jerry uh, was my co-author. Um, you definitely can get it off of um, Amazon, and we're going to be doing, I think, some membership specials off of uh, Sales Community, which we're going to be announcing, I think, literally uh, later on, later on today. But it's uh, really cool. Uh, Kristen has a section in here called "Every Seller is an Inside Seller." We have uh, 97 of the advisory board members from Sales Community had contributed about 100, 134 best practices. Tony Jerry and I have 72 best practices. Uh, we have a couple of great parts from uh, Walter Browns, who was an early on sales consultant. Was a uh, two fantastic handbooks: one for sales reps, one for sales managers. We have a uh, sales self assessment. We've got a great summary of uh, some of the top sales methodologies. So uh, get your copy when when uh, when whenever you can. So anyway, back to the podcast here. Um, can you tell us a little bit about Firemont? 
Yeah, so FireMon is a network security policy management company. Um, basically, customers have really traditionally come to FireMon to help improve their security posture um, through compliance uh, and really being able to ensure that they maintain compliance and efficiency in their uh, security management solution. So we're very well positioned to help our customers, customers identify um, things that can limit their network security policy agility uh, through things like automation, risk mitigation, and uh, compliance. So it's a really exciting company uh, and a really cool place to be. Awesome. So what do you think? I know um, there's uh, some philosophical uh, differences around security sales. So a lot of people say, on, I know on the recruiting side, some companies we recruit for, they say, hey, you have to have that security DNA in order to work at a security company. Uh, my, my opinion is if you have good you know, enterprise go-to-market DNA, Kind of doesn't really matter, and I know there's you know different different thoughts. Um, what, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, look, I didn't really have a security background coming in, right. so I I will say that look, with anything, when you come into an organization and you have that background, it's going to be easier and faster for you to scale, right? That's just a fact. Uh, but I don't think it's 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 a it's um, that big of a challenge because when you're hiring people, you're hiring people who you know are going to invest in themselves to go figure it out. And so I think it's really important to hire the attributes of a sales professional or a sales leader that you're looking for um, because those are the things that are harder to teach. It's really easier to teach the, the complexities of the solution that you're bringing to market through both the enablement programs you have, but also through knowing you're hiring someone who's going to be self-motivated enough to go figure it out. Yeah, that's that's great. To, to, totally agree. And uh, but before we uh, move on, also congratulations. Uh, you had a COVID pregnancy, I guess you're allowed to say. So Lily is now uh, what four months old. She is. She's going to be four months old. Um, what June 10th? So I can't believe it. Wow! Congratulations. I'm sure Thank that was a you. lot to go through with work and COVID and pregnancy yeah. and everything else, huh? Yeah, it was um, it was it was an interesting time being pregnant through COVID, having the baby during COVID, uh, and then also during the unprecedented snowstorm that Texas had. So all of those things combined made for a really interesting experience. But she's here and uh, she's amazing. So yeah, that's great. Uh, congratulations. So yeah. all right, so let's uh, start diving in on uh, some of the uh, questions here. And uh, for those that are watching. Uh, you can post any questions that you want, and uh, we'll, we'll do our best to get to them. So just uh, within the LinkedIn uh, comment area, I believe that is where you, you can uh, do them. So uh, one thing we we're, were talking about before was, uh, you know, last week, Merrill Lynch had said they're going to stop cold calling. And uh, what's your take on that? Interesting, right? Um, so I will I will come out and say that I do not believe that cold calling is dead. Um, but what I do believe is cold calling is not the only answer. Um, there, what I like to call and what I work with my team on is the trifecta approach, right? It's calls, it's emails, and it's social, and all of those things combined in the right factor and leveraging the right messaging is really the best form of outreach. You can't just rely on one medium to be successful. Uh, so cold calling alone is not the right answer, but coupled with and augmenting the, the, the full portfolio of how you outreach to a customer is really the best approach. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know, definitely great to have somebody on like you. We've had a lot of the you know CROs and CEOs, but somebody that's kind of in the weeds of the whole you know in, inside selling uh, you know motion. So great. 
Uh, what about uh, what do you think about the importance of business development and the myth that uh, prospecting is only for BDRs or inside sellers? Oh, I am so passionate about this. Uh, every single seller should be prospecting. And what's interesting, when I look at a BDR organization, a lot of the times it's an entry level position, right? You're coming right out of college or you're coming into a BDR from maybe being in another form of an industry, not having sales experience. And so it's really a place where you start your sales career. And as you continue to grow, uh, it's really important that you continue to build your muscle, as I call it, around prospecting. You don't just graduate from a BDR into a field seller and just forget about prospecting or just leave it to your BDR. It has to be an approach that's um, you as a field seller, yes, have to leverage your BDR, but you also have to be prospecting as well. And I think far too often, a lot of sellers get into the motion of account management and going deeper and wider in the account, which is so critical. But there has to be a healthy balance between new and add. And in order to do that, you have to continue to perfect and make sure that you're fueling those muscles and those skills around prospecting as both a BDR and a seller. Yep, absolutely. And then uh, speaking about inside sales, what about any uh, kind of tools, tips, uh, techniques um, that you uh, like to push on your team? So many things. So I think, first of all, um, just from a technique perspective, again, I talked about the trifecta. Uh, we've learned a lot about the importance of research, but not not shifting the pendulum too much on spending too much of your day um, researching, right? You have to find that balance of how much research do you need to do to, to be confident enough and to just generate interest. Um, I think the other really key important piece here uh, is time management. Um, when you're a BDR, you have a lot that you have to do from not only an activity perspective, but making sure that you're in alignment with your sales teams and making sure you're keeping up with enablement. Uh, and there's only so many hours in a day. And so being able to effectively manage your time is very important and something I instilled very early on in my team is just blocking out your calendar, treating your call block times as if they're meetings, right? And looking to build a calendar that aligns to the activity that you need to do in order to be successful to drive the output you're looking to drive. Oh, that's great. And uh, what about with that with your team? You've become a great uh, leader here. Any um, kind of t tips around uh, being an effective coach or leader? Yeah, um, I, I love leadership. It's it's one of the things that I'm truly passionate about um, and mostly around the coaching aspect. I, I think as a leader, you really have to dive in with your team. Um, I think one of the things, and I'm a big uh, follower of Maxwell uh, Leadership, for those of you who may be familiar with that, and it's really centered around the five levels of leadership and how your team defines who you are as a leader versus you defining yourself as a leader. So it's very important that you build trust and credibility with your team. And you have to do that by digging in with them, right? Demonstrating that you can do what you're asking them to do. And in many cases, doing it with them, doing ride alongs, sitting with them as they make calls, giving them on the spot, continuous coaching, um, and really being someone who inspires a team to want to grow and to be successful. Yeah. And then uh, are you guys for in your inside sellers? Are they back in the office or still remote? 
Right now we're on a hybrid schedule, uh, so three days a week. And look, I think it's we're all trying to figure this out, right? It, there, there's um, a funny video that talks about is this the new, new, new normal? <laughs> uh, and you know, we're we're all trying to figure out what does this hybrid schedule look like. I think it's here to stay for quite some time. Um, but right now, I think the importance is just being able to give our our team some flexibility uh, because I think a lot of people enjoyed working remote. But there's so much value, especially from an inside selling perspective um, to that camaraderie, that energy, and really that opportunity to learn and network with your peers. Yeah. And plus, it's kind of hard to you know, manage them as well or see exactly what's what's going on with the productivity, right? It you know? is. But and, and I know we talked about this a little bit, but um, it is difficult when you're not in the office. But we've really done a good job of being able to leverage some amazing tools and platforms to help us effectively manage the productivity of, of our team. Oh, that's great. You want to talk about some of them? Yeah. Um, so joining Firemon, uh, it was it was it, it's been an amazing experience. So one of the things that I was really impressed with was our our tech stack uh, from a, a rep productivity uh, perspective and being able to have access to data that can drive actionable insights. Um, and so for us, we we have a pretty good tech stack. Um, so we use Sixth Sense from an intent data perspective, which has been really really valuable to us. Uh, we use Salesloft as our outreach tool. So for our dialer, for uh, dispositions and sentiments around the calls that we're making uh, to track our email response rates. Uh, so that's been a really instrumental tool. We use Salesforce for our CRM. Uh, we just brought in uh, ExecVision, which is a conversation intelligence uh, software platform, which is instrumental in being able to effectively coach your team and build scorecards around the calls that they're making and the effectiveness of them. Um, so we have a really solid tech stack that we continue to uh, evolve and we've, we've got some plans for some future growth around our tech stack to be able to really set not only our sellers up for success to be able to allow them to be more productive throughout the day but also to set the leadership team up for success and how to effectively coach and drive them to um, um, you know being able to be the most productive they can be throughout the day yeah that's great and then you have um, next week we have uh, Latney who's the uh, CMO at six cents on and think you're uh, le leveraging six cents as well correct yeah six cents has been instrumental in just being able to uh, prospect to a customer based on the the part of the buying journey that they are on right uh, we all know that customers are 80 percent of their way down the buying journey before they even want to talk to a sales rep and so it's really important when we're prospecting to be able to understand where that customer is because if we're reaching out to them too early we're not going to be as effective we really have to reach out to them at that right time and six cents right. has really helped us um figure out a strategy around that yeah that's a whole broad category broad category account-based marketing, right? Right, exactly. And then uh, Insight Squared, I think, is another one you had mentioned, correct? Yeah, Insight Squared, we recently brought on uh, back, I want to say, at the beginning of this year where we started implementing it. For me, so I, I also run uh, account executives, and that has been an instrumental tool um, to visualize and consolidate all of my forecasting. Um, so I really enjoyed using Insight Squared for the short amount of time that we have, and their team has been phenomenal in even helping me leverage their tool to uh, track some of the outbound and uh, inbound activity from a lead perspective with my BDRs. Oh, that's great. Uh, looks like we're starting to get some questions. Uh, so if we start with uh, Jesse's question here, 
what's your opinion on a side hustle or passion projects? Hmm. Can you explain specifically? Give me an example. Yeah, I, know. I, hoping, you know, I really don't. I thought it was maybe an H thing. I don't really uh, <laughs> no, 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 either. So we'll uh, we'll maybe let Jesse uh, cl clarify his question. So I thought it was just okay. me. So. Uh, like something outside of work? I don't know. Maybe you can clarify and I'll answer. We'll table that. Yeah. Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll let him come come back in on that one. But um, from uh, Shannon, uh, we, we have one I think we'll know the answer to. Uh, what, what have you seen as drivers for strong BDR and AE relationships? Awesome. Yeah, uh, this is this is always an interesting one because it, it's um, at times challenging and difficult to perfect, right? The one, there's a personality piece. Um, but also what I find is probably the key factor is communication and transparency. Um, the more that each other know and have the direction on what they're going to work on together and off on their own, the better everybody is. But the way that I look at it is at the beginning of the week, you and your BDR as a sales rep should concoct a plan, right? This is what I'm going to do for the week. Middle of the week, you do a quick little check-in, right? Maybe on Slack or Skype or just Messenger. And then at the end of the week, you report to them, hey, this is what I did, and here's where I was successful. So one of the things that we've done is I've built scorecards for my team. And every Friday, my BDRs have to um, fill in just a brief scorecard, takes them no longer than 20 minutes, uh, that outlines their activity and what they did from an output perspective, but also goes through the accounts that them and their sales rep have agreed upon uh, and allows them to basically just explain, hey, I called this account and this is what happened. Uh, and then every Monday they go through that and then they say, and this is what I'm going to do this week, right? So it's really just a cycle of um, just full open communication and transparency and helping everybody know and be aligned on what they're going to do, how they're doing, and how they did. I think we lost Randy. Okay. <clears throat> we did lose Randy. All right. There he is. There he Sorry. Okay. Us <laughs> throttling between our the the, the comments. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> we are back. Uh, Reese, where are you? I am back. Thanks. Uh, so anyway, so Jesse clarified uh side hustle is a passion project you might make money on but isn't your full-time job so let's say a course or something they sell gotcha well i have um so let's see i don't really have experience with a side hustle um but i can tell you i have a, a dream and a passion um so i uh i was a competitive dancer my whole life and i've always wow. wanted to and i i taught um dance after college for a little while and then you know my career started skyrocketing and I, I had to put more focus on that um, but I would love to get back into teaching dance again or some sort of fitness I'm an avid fitness um, person so I would love to maybe make that my side hustle hustle up someday so um, once I do that Jesse I'll uh, reach back out to you and let you know how it goes there you go 
Uh, all right, what about um, uh, talking about email effectiveness and uh, te techniques and processes there that you use? Yeah, um, so email is hard, or some people think it's hard, I should say. And I think a lot of, I think prospecting in general, we make it more complex than it has to be. I think we always have to think of what the end goal is, and that really is, hey, I'm not selling in that initial meeting, I'm just trying to generate interest and wave that carrot. Um, we we have worked with an exec vision in addition to their conversation intelligence software also has a consulting business uh, Boresight, that they do a lot of training so we work very closely with them on 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 this and email has been a major point of focus for us and we built a framework um, and exec vision calls it tub uh, the them us both approach and it's really about researching the prospect and being able to incorporate a tidbit and personalizing that email that's going to generate their interest, whether that's based on a commonality because you went to school, went to the same college, uh, whether you live in the same town, um, but doing research on whether it's the organization or the prospect themselves and showing them that you've done your research and that your email is not just a canned spam, I've sent it to 5,000 people type of an email. So I think there's a lot of um, success with that. And it's all about how you concoct your email uh, that just really shows the prospect that you care and that you aren't just um, reaching out to them and, you know, 5,000 other people with the same note. Yeah. Do you guys, do you uh, leverage Sales Navigator? We do. Um, so we've done a big push on social selling uh, back, I'd say we started doing it more towards the beginning of this year where we realized that there's so much potential in social selling and uh, we hadn't really done a lot of enablement with our teams on how to effectively use it. It's not just about in-mails, right? Um, I actually think in-mails are relatively dead. Uh, I think there's a better approach to leveraging social. Uh, and that's, you know, and, and we were talking about this earlier, but people don't want to follow the brand, right? They, they want they want to consume insights. Um, when you think of using LinkedIn as a way to get information across, that's going to generate awareness because it's interesting and people want to learn about it. Um, I think that there's a huge value in leveraging social uh, as, as an outreach solution, but also as building your personal brand and uh, the brand you want to build to generate awareness for your organization. Yeah, that's great. And uh, for, for those that are members of uh, sales community, um, you can actually go to the search bar and you actually can input LinkedIn or Sales Navigator. And um, I get told usually every week um, <clears throat> that there's some fantastic content in there and specifically around Sales Navigator. I'm sure your uh, team does this as well, but you can kind of track companies, you can track individuals. And then when they post, then that kind of comes to the top of your list of what you're tracking. Because if you try and uh, follow your feed and LinkedIn, it's you know, almost impossible, right? Because there's just, you know, so many, but Sales Navigator, you can actually target a specific group. And then when you see that they're posting on different activities, so if it's a you know, chief security officer that you want to target at, um, you know, Levi's, mm -hmm. then you can target that person. And then you could see, you know, what are they posting on? And there's some work things or some personal things. If you're yep. doing for me as an example, you'd say, okay, Duke baseball and yep. then get some tie in or, you know, things like that or other, other things that I might be passionate about. So it's not just work, but that personal aspect, it almost seems like to a certain degree, you know, LinkedIn is almost morphing into some of that personal, um, 
kind of Facebook type space too, right? Which yeah, would, and you can track people's you know, job changes. One of the things we have with LinkedIn Sales Navigator is it filters into our Salesforce as leads. Yeah. Um, um, so the people that we build that we're following and companies that we're following based on certain activities or posts or job changes that will actually filter into our Salesforce as a lead so that our BDRs and our account executives can spend the time um, they don't have to always just go fish for it. It's actually coming to them as an inbound. Wow. It's, uh, it's, it's great. It's amazing. I think, obviously, I'm old, but I think back to old school where you'd have these, yeah, none, none of this. And I just tell everybody, you know, everybody's so, so spoiled, but it's amazing how, how uh, productive you, you can be these days. It's fun, too. I mean, we do contests around it. Um, uh, yeah. We try to drive the usage of, of yeah. LinkedIn. Yeah, Gamify. It's great. All right. We have another question from Jesse. Thank you, Jesse. Uh, how do you get emails delivered? It feels like an act of God to get one delivered now. Spam filters are hard to get past. I laugh because um, not sure my team entirely appreciated this in the beginning, but I think they're starting to understand the reason behind it. But one of the things when I came on, I worked with our marketing team, who is phenomenal, by the way. Um, the collaboration we have with them is incredible. Uh, we actually capped the amount of emails a rep could send in a day <laughs> because we were finding that they were just sending way too much and that goes back to my personalization approach. There's no way you can customize a, a, a 500 email blast. You just can't. And especially for the customers that we're reaching out to on the enterprise um, grade, it, it's just not going to go anywhere. Um, so yeah, you have a tool and you can just send a bunch of emails, but you're not going to get much success. So we actually capped it. And um, initially the reps were like, oh no, but once we started enabling them of how to use the tub framework, how to leverage research, how to customize your emails, yeah, you see that they're able to send less in a day, but it's all about the output, right? It's about the quality, not the quantity of emails that you're sending. And we've actually seen a pretty significant increase in our reply rates uh, since we cut down the um, amount of emails a rep could send in a day. Oh, that's great. But then what are just the mechanics of kind of just getting through and these spam filters and things like that that seem to be more and more elevated these days? Um, I mean, we so when we I think we're doing we can't do more than 100 emails in a day. And um, so Salesloft actually has like a, um, a piece or like a flag that they can help you with that. But as far as customers spam filters, um, I mean, I think one of the key things is we don't embed video uh, into our emails. I think that's one thing that's typically a red flag, right? Another thing is we um, don't typically tend to do a lot of links. We'll maybe send content um, versus doing a link. It really depends on the customer spam filter, but I haven't really heard that as a huge issue with my team more than just, um, you know, us being able to control the amount of emails that go out to hopefully avoid it getting caught in spam um, filters with our customers. Gotcha. And I guess you can always track kind of what the read rate is mm -hmm. as well as a yeah. good yeah. indicator, right? Yeah, we have the ability to track the open, the click, and the reply rate. Yeah. And how have you found those metrics maybe now as we're coming out of COVID versus in the middle of COVID versus pre-COVID? Um, I, well, look, I mean, pre current COVID, I think everyone was at home. Um, so they had more time in front of their PCs. So they were more apt to open an email. Um, I, I think, you know, if I look probably 
COVID and then now, uh, we're in general starting to see more positive results on our email reply rates. I'm not sure of the direct correlation of that in COVID, but I think the key is you want to make it also short enough that someone can read on a mobile, right? Because now that the world's going to start opening back up, you're not going to be in front of your PC as much, uh, and you want to be able to digest and consume an email that can fit right on this little screen. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, well, well, well said. So uh, maybe maybe back to you. So you're uh, probably a great example that females can have it all. So successful executive, uh, marriage, kids, had a baby. So what are kind of w w words of wisdom from any uh, maybe up, up and coming uh, females? Be vocal, right? Um, be open about what you need. I, I think, look, there's a lot of pressure on females and like, oftentimes we put that pressure on ourselves, right, to be it all and to be able to, to be in 10 places at once. And it is possible to find that balance, but you have to be vocal and you also have to be true to yourself of what that balance means for you. Um, what do you want for your family? What do you want for your professional career? And you have to find a place, uh, an organization or someone to work for that's going to align to what your definition of balance is. And I think often too, we have to be vocal about what we want. If we don't ask for it, we're not going to get it. And I think, you know, especially in the tech industry, it's, it's still very male dominated. And I think it's kind of unconsciously that, you know, maybe certain policies aren't in place because no one really knew, right? I don't think anyone does anything to, um, you know, get in the way of females having success. I think there's so many programs in diversity and inclusion, but there are small things that people just don't know, right? And that's one of the things that I've learned over my career is that you have to ask for what you want, right? You have to ask maybe for that flexibility that you want. Um, and you just have to be really vocal uh, in asking for help um, and really just understanding what your definition of balance is and finding an organization or someone that's going to be able to align to that. Yeah, it's interesting. I think if you did a kind of stack ranking, I would say on average, there's a larger percentage, if you took percentage of, I don't know if I'm getting in trouble here, larger percentage of females and males that are actually top performers. Mm -hmm. So, you know, obviously given all the attributes and empathy and kind of strength and focus and courage mm -hmm. and, and all that. So, you know, selfishly for organizations, the more females you can get, I think the better, better off they would all be. Yeah, absolutely. But I think, I think in order to get more females, you have to be able to you have to be able to show females that, you know, they have to have people to look up to that say, hey, she can do it and so can I. And that's something I'm so passionate about because I just think sometimes and even if you look at, you know, STEM, right, and you look at just early education, right. what are we doing to give females the confidence to put their name in the hat? Um, what are we doing to give them the confidence to know that they can do it, right? They have to believe in themselves, and I think that starts from an early age, right? I mean, I'm raising a daughter. She's only four months old, but I think about that every day of how am I going to give her set her up for success to be confident, to feel empowered, and to be able to make her mark on this world um, and, and let her know that she can do it, right? Yeah, absolutely. I, mean, I get asked a lot, and I think you know, you have a popular, you know, if you want to call it just a general diversity population that's in the workplace. So there's a lot, you know, some things you can do to kind of cultivate and nurture. But I think if you really want to move the needle, you have to go really back into the college ranks. And I know you're, you're active on the college side as well. Mm -hmm. But you say, hey, here's a profession you can do well, it can be a great life and, you know, something that you should focus on. And I always think it's really unfortunate that 
Um, so went to Boston College, a lot of people know, I think there's, you know, one or two sales classes, but you have other places like a FSU, and I know you're involved in uh, uh, college there locally, mm -hmm. but you think such a profession, you know, profession that most liberal arts people are going to go into sales at the time they don't realize it, but they're right. going to do it. And all these schools really don't really have, you know, strong sales programs like they should be preparing everybody for, right? Yeah, you know, gosh, I have so many amazing things to say about sales programs. There's actually uh, 50 universities across the country that are actively, um, you know, actively participate in sales programs and do sales contests. And UTD is, I'm on the executive advisory board for UTD and their sales program, Dr. Dover is incredible. But I mean, I have no issue hiring uh, individuals out of a sales program because they're actually held to a quota in, in school as part of their curriculum, right? Um, they're dialing, they're basically doing the SDR role way before you even hire them. Uh, and I think that that's fantastic. I think there's a lot of fundamentals that these sales programs teach uh, these up and coming sales stars that I think we can all take a, a huge advantage of, um, you know, as they graduate and come into the workforce. Yeah, and uh, good good friend Anthony Robbins, who's on the advisory board of uh, Sales Community, runs uh, Fed for Nvidia. Uh, daughter FSU sales program going to Dell. Son played football. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm get myself in here, of course, I'm forgetting. I want to say uh, NC State. He's going to kill me. That's not it. Anyway, played football somewhere. Did great, but um, yeah, because his daughter came from a sales program, she's. You know, starting out ahead and actually is getting you know a higher level of compensation than you know somebody that didn't. So I think yeah. over time these, these schools really should be uh, putting a lot more into it. Yeah. Uh, we I think we have a question from Tucker. Uh, the BDR to AE jump is always a big step for sellers earlier in their career. What are some of the best practices BDRs can follow to be successful in that next role? I love this question, and I think that there's actually a lot that we as leaders need to do in order to set um, these individuals up for success. Look, the BDR and the AE role are two completely different roles. Yes, it's a natural progression because you that prospecting piece of it is so important and you've mastered that. But we need to make sure that we're setting these individuals up for success along the different stages of the sales cycle, right? And so I think enablement is just a key factor. Uh, and it's one thing I think we all have all maybe not done the best job at in an area that we really need to focus. Now, I am so focused on hiring from within. I mean, I have an example right now where I have a junior account executive that's moved up into field sales and so excited and proud and you know thrilled for him. And we're looking to hire um, internally from the BDR team to fill that junior account executive role. And one of the things that's keeping me up right now is if this individual, you know, um, has challenges, that that's on me, right? Because there's such a big jump, and 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 you've got to help them over that bridge to be able to give them and set them up for success around understanding um, some of the more complex pieces of a sales cycle, which is really that taking it from that prospecting stage and progressing that opportunity into. I really think it's enablement. And I think it's on the hands of the leaders. Now, look, obviously, the reps are accountable themselves to learn and to grow. But I think coupled with mentoring, um, pairing them with successful other uh, reps, and then making sure that you have a very strong enablement uh, program in order for them to follow to be successful. Yeah, great, great uh, per perspectives. Uh, what about... Um 
kind of the, I would call it church and state, but kind of marketing and sales and some organizations, you know, do it well, some don't, you know, yeah. uh, you know, marketing over time, I think is uh, getting a lot more, you know, useful and helpful and metric driven to sales. And, you know, that's kind of a, uh, probably a long time coming, but it's something I think the next few years is really going to accelerate. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Hand in hand, you have to be hand in hand. Um, you can't survive without each other, really. And you know, there's so many schools of thought. I know many organizations have their SDR teams rolling into their marketing teams, and everybody kind of does it differently. But I will say it's one of the things that I've really enjoyed about working here at Firemon is the collaboration between the marketing team and the sales team. And a lot of that, look, we're all using the same tools. Uh, we're leveraging the same data. And marketing has been instrumental in helping to effectively craft messaging um, against the use cases and the personas that we're going after. Um, taking our direction and, and, and feedback on, hey, here's what we're hearing for our customers and here's how we need to tweak certain things. Also, um, making sure that there's accountability uh, and joint metrics around lead um, conversion rates. Uh, that's something I think is really, really important. Um, we spend a lot of time looking at leads, looking at where they're falling, how they're falling, what the conversion rates are, how do we need to maybe you know tweak things a little bit to see more lead flow, more quality. Um, and I think just, just communication, right? And just full, just collaboration is so important and it's been amazing to see that here uh, and to see how vested the marketing team is in the sales team and how um, you know we feed off of them as well so yeah that's uh, that's great um, it'll be interesting so you have actual specific metrics that I'll say are kind of sales ish metrics that then the marketing team is accountable for them correct yeah we actually do an opt-in review I think almost like twice a week uh, we look at the opt-in across um, really the whole organization but for me it's the BDR team as well as my we also have metrics for um, my account executive team on opt-in uh, and we talk through it right and and we have uh, a goal that we have to meet every week and we talk about where we are against that goal what the challenges were what we need to maybe tweak um, so it's just extremely important to be in the know about each other's metrics but also to share the accountability in those metrics as well oh, that's great uh, we have a question from Jesse all right, I hate being cold called. It's not only annoying, it can be harassing. Merrill Lynch banned it from their trading floor. I wouldn't take credit for this, but is it possible one of my posts about how bad it can be caused them to ban it? Don't think Andy Sieg uh, saw your post, Jesse, but um, what, what do you think of cold calling? Do you like being cold called and should reps do it? I know we, we talked about it a little bit in the beginning, but uh, yeah. maybe cover it again. Yeah, look, I don't think anyone on the phone would say or on this you know, session would say they enjoy being cold call. But um, there have been times I have enjoyed it, um, you know, especially being in the field that I'm in. I, I am a little bit more sensitive to it. Um, and I am very appreciative when someone knows something about me. Right. When they call and they reference something or they have a sense of humor. Right. And, and they just make the call personable, not just like, hey, I'm Kristen from Fireman you know, how you doing today, right? It's it, making something like you're having a real conversation versus being sold to, I think is, is are the ones that I like. And there have been many that I have just laughed at and just really in, in a good way, right? And enjoyed the conversation. Um, so I think it goes back to that personalization, right? Just calling someone and being extremely generic is not gonna get you anywhere, but calling someone and 
immediately helping them understand that you know something about them, you know something about what their organization is trying to achieve, and they should be talking to you because you have a solution that you know can help because it's helped other customers in XYZ way. Um, and being able to formulate that in a short, sweet, and to the point approach, and knowing again, like I said before, that your end goal is not, you're not gonna sell something in that conversation. Your end goal is to just get them interested enough to be willing to take a meeting with you to explore whether or not this is a, a solution that's um, something they wanna proceed with um, learning more about. Wow, great. Uh, Jesse has a, a comment, just wanna make sure you see it. Love this interview, Kristen rocks, get a promoted to CRO. So uh, do you, if I put you on the spot, so right now you work for, CRO, I assume? I do. I work for uh, Brian Keats. He's our CRO. Okay. You want to give him any shout outs? He's amazing, really. Um, and, and, I, and I truly mean that. I have learned so much from Brian. Um, you know, he's someone who really te taught me the power of uh, just empowerment, um, but also he's someone who's constantly learning. Um, and, you know, I've watched him because he joined the company a little bit prior to me. And I've just watched him continue to develop himself and his skill set around Firemon. And it's just inspirational. Uh, and he's just a rock star when it comes to the selling process. Uh, and I really have just learned so much from him. So I, I can't say enough things, great things about Brian. Um, he's incredible. And uh, he's really been a change agent for this organization in a, in a positive, um, constructive way. That's great. So um, I assume you are, you don't have to comment, but I assume you're on the depth chart somewhere uh, to uh, step up in the CRO. Are there things that you're working on personally in terms of uh, you know developing to be ready for that move? It is an aspiration for me, absolutely, um, that that would be an identified next step for me, for sure. Um, you know, look, I have someone amazing to work under and to grow, and it's one of the first things, you know, him and I spoke about when I was interviewing for this job is that, you know, this this was a career goal for me, and I wanted to soak up and learn everything I could from, from him, right? So, um, you know, that's one piece of it. But self-development for me, I do so many things, right? I listen to podcasts. I read books. Um, I was actually um, just talking to our CMO um, about a community uh, in, a, in a course that is VP to CRO um, that I'm looking to see if, if it's something that, um, you know, I, I, I can do, right? Because I think it's so important to learn and to grow. But also um, just, just really continuously investing in, in yourself and realizing where the gaps are and what you need to work on and being honest with yourself uh, because that's where you grow um, and surrounding yourself with people that can help you get to where you need to be. Yeah. I mean, a lot of times we'll get, uh, you know, SDRs who, you know, they may want to be CEO tomorrow, but, you know, always say, well, you know, how, how long is it going to take till I can make the next move either internal as SDR or kind of outside rep. And I'm amazed at the usually poor job that companies do in kind of lining up. You're obviously very structured and have uh, seen the movie before, but the companies really don't do a good job of kind of setting the expectations and those development goals. Yeah. Uh, and then sometimes people will leave and they're just kind of in poor communication, poor coaching. I'm sure you you've obviously don't have that on your team, but I'm sure you've seen that in the industry and probably people that you're recruiting in as well, right? I have, and I, I think that goes back to my comment about, um, you know, it's the job of a leader to make their team successful. It really is. And I think as, you know, for me, 
I started right out of college and my career rose really, really fast, sometimes faster than I could keep up with. I remember moving into an executive job for when, for my, when, on the first time you know, that I moved into a VP role and I had set a goal for myself for a certain age to make VP and I made that, right? And I got in and I was like, whoa. <laughs> this is a whole nother world and um, it's really hard to move from a, even just a manager or a director into an executive role just not just from a leadership perspective but understanding the business and so I do think organizations need to do a better job in, in putting that as part of their formal development programs because I think that's very challenging uh, it's great that you want to hire and promote from within and the concept makes a lot of sense but it goes back to that enablement um, and the commitment to ensuring the people that you move into those roles uh, are successful. That's great. Thanks. Uh, so just as a reminder, people can ask questions. We've been getting some good questions, but feel free to uh, keep asking anything that would be relevant to you. Uh, Kristen's obviously very uh, authentic and open, so we appreciate that. So moving on, what about what trends do you see for Firemon that are kind of either uh, kind of wind at your face or wind at your back in terms of trends that could potentially help or uh, threaten the business? Yeah, you know, look, it's an exciting time in our market as security and IT leaders are um, doing more and more around digital transformation, right? That's been a trend for <laughs> quite some time. Uh, but with that, they're grappling with making sure that they're secure um, and that they're compliant, right? And also with the increasing number of threats, from a security perspective, I mean, we just heard about two in, in the past month, right? Um, the the attack on the meat industry um, and then the, the pipeline, right? So it's happening, it's not going away, and I can tell you it's probably going to get worse. And so it's something that's keeping uh, security IT leaders and IT leaders up at night. So I think it's a great opportunity for us to demonstrate how we can help customers through through these times and what we can do to ensure cleanliness um, and maintain a security posture within their firewall um, environment uh, through automation and compliance and risk mitigation. Um, and I think that network security is also in the midst of a tectonic shift, right? Um, as organizations move more and more towards cloud-based um, technologies uh, and zero trust approaches, they're really investing more time and energy into how they make their environment set up for success. And I assume the ultimate kind of sales executive signing off is a uh, chief security officer, but in your security business, yeah. kind of who, who do you target and how do you target and how does all that work? Yeah, so the CISO is ultimately um, our main and key persona. We obviously spend a lot of time with the network security teams as well. Um, and a lot of that is really centered around just helping us understand and gather data around the pains that they're having. Um, and, you know, what they need to do to prepare for an audit, for example, and the time that that takes uh, and making sure that they're compliant so that they can pass those audits and helping them uh, see the value in what we can provide and um, show that value and sell that value across many different pieces of the organization. But it's also not just the security team. It's the risk team. It's the compliance team. It's the IT team. Um, just with any, any price, enterprise sale, right? You're not just reaching out to one persona. You've got to build your relationship across the entire matrix of the organization. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we, we talked a bunch about marketing, but uh, we, we didn't cover this in our, in our prep. But um, do you leverage the uh, channel and have an indirect motion as well? 
We do. Yeah, we we are indirect in, in how we um, go to business. That that's our that's our model. Um, and the channel's great. I mean, look, they, they help us scale. They have a lot of obviously relationships with uh, some of our key personas and prospects within the accounts. Uh, and they are absolutely instrumental to the success of our business. Our channel leader, Andrew Warren, has an extensive amount of experience in the industry and is dedicated and committed um, to working and building our relationships with the channel. Uh, we also started a new pilot program this year, leveraging a couple of our BDRs to go drive awareness in the channel. Um, so working hand in hand with Andrew and our commercial account manager, um, channel account managers, um, to be able to build our brand across uh, all different pieces of the channel, not just the current channel we work with, but expanding our reach. And typically the career path of inside sellers or SDRs would kind of more to uh, call it kind of outside sales roles. Or do you see any that are kind of going from inside sales to channel roles? Well, yeah, especially with this pilot program that we put in place. Um, I know that now that my reps that are working on that side of the business, now that they've started to understand what it is and starting to build relationships and seeing the channel business, there's a lot of interest in potentially moving over a channel into a channel account manager role, which I think is great, right? Being able to give um, BDRs options around what pieces of the business they can go in. Yeah, you know, the typical natural progression is BDR to seller, um, but we also have other options like BDR to marketing or BDR to channel. Um, so I love giving them the exposure to all different pieces of the business. And do you find that the BDR, some BDRs say we just want outside or just want marketing or interested in the channel and any attributes with those kind of personas that pick kind of the, the different uh, flavors of jobs they can go after next? I think they're at a point where they're all trying to figure it out. And that's that's the fun part of my job, right? I always say that I'm the kindergarten teacher, right? They come in and I, I help them learn the industry, learn the business of selling, um, and hopefully they'll never forget me because you never forget your kindergarten teacher, right? So uh, I think they're at a point where they're figuring it all out. What do I want to do? And so, like I said, giving them different exposure to different pieces of the business I think is really valuable because it helps them build out oh, maybe this is something I want to try. I think often when you're just starting out and you remember, I remember, you don't always necessarily know what you want to do, uh, but being able to see um, kind of the inner workings behind the scenes of other pieces of the business, I think starts to really help you develop um, your aspirations. Yeah, absolutely. We had uh, Greg Scorziello on a few weeks ago, who was uh, our first uh, kindergarten teacher, I have to tell him that <laughs> EMC back uh, in mid eighties, but uh, it was amazing. A lot of the yeah, old folks that, you know, kind of would chime in and, you know, everybody obviously says great things. There's so many memories that you have because you're so uh, in impressionable at the time. So if you think about those uh, BDRs, SDRs, kind of what are some of the attributes that you would say kind of within the first few months that you can kind of tag if you can at all? Yeah. Say, hey, wow, you know, this this person is really going to be successful down the road or, or not. Yeah, and I'm doing a lot of interviewing right now because we are expanding and hiring a lot of EDRs, so this is uh, this is very timely. Uh, competitive, right? I want to see someone that's competitive. I'm super competitive, and I don't, you know, competitive in sports, competitive as a, as a chess player, competitive in poker, whatever it may be, right? I want to see that fire. Um, I want to see that you're not going to let somebody else um, beat you on a leaderboard, and I want to see that come through. Um, hungry, right? I want to I want to see someone who has a has a goal, has a dream that they 
they want to go after and go get. Uh, we have a vision board that we created at the beginning of the year. And so um, every member of my team kind of had the vision or the things that they wanted to get as a result of their hard work. Um, so, you know, seeing people who have something that they want to work for. Self-motivated, I think, is really, really important. Seeing someone that is um, that, that goes and gets things um, together with the help of others, but knows how to get it themselves and ask for it. Um, so I think some of those are, are really, really important. I think personable, too. When I get on the phone with someone for an, an, an interview, I want to know that I can talk to them, right? I mean, it's hard dialing all day and trying to talk to people. But there are those people that you talk to that just you instantly start a conversation with them as if you've known them for years. And I think that's really important in this job. Yeah, absolutely. And how have you found with COVID kind of the whole recruiting, retaining, easier, harder? Yeah, I think it's. I think retaining um, and attracting, so retaining talent in an inside sales job has always been difficult because it's such a high turnover rate, right? Um, I think attracting talent um, is always difficult as well because there's so many inside sales organizations, so there's so much to choose from. I think with the pandemic, uh, one of the things, and especially now post-pandemic, that's really going to impact how we attract and retain is our ability to maintain that flexibility, right? I think um, there was a recent Wall Street Journal article that talked through hybrid um, and talked about all these companies just trying to figure out and how it is going to be a competitive um, something that these people who are looking to join companies are going to view as competitive in their offers, right? And this company lets me work three days a week from home and this company lets me two days a week. So we have to figure out that balance. And so I think it'll just be different in, in the things that we need to present as part of our packages as we look to attract uh, talent. Yeah, great. And uh, Jesse's, I think, trying to stir the pot here a little bit. So uh, we talked before about account-based marketing, Sixth Sense, why you thought it was uh, important at the time. Um, so Jesse says, Kristen, I think uh, ABM programs produce just about zero value for sales in most scenarios. What does ABM mean to you? So I can see where you would say that, and I think a lot of that downfall is probably centered around what you're doing with ABM um, and how you're creating value out of the data that you have. Uh, when you look at something like a Sixth Sense, um, look, I can have Sixth Sense, my competitors can have Sixth Sense, but it's all about how are we creating actionable insights based on the data that we're receiving and how we're leveraging that to outreach to our clients. So I think Fireman does a really good job from an ABX, we call it ABX, but same thing, ABM. Um, from an ABX perspective, we have a dedicated team to it and we're all learning and we're still growing through it. Uh, but I think it's all in how you use it uh, versus just taking it at face value. Um, just with anything, you have to digest it, you have to create value from it and that takes a team of people, not just a tool or a platform to be able to really manipulate and be um, have their hands in what, we're, what our expectations of the program are, how we're doing against that, being able to tweak and adjust as we go, um, and also really being able to drive the value out of the information that we're getting. Yeah, great. As he says, uh, great, great points. Um, so along your journey, have there been any particular kind of words of wisdom, feedback, or advice in particular that kind of stand out for you? Yeah, and I'm sure you know a lot of my role models <laughs> throughout throughout the years, but yeah, there's a couple, I, I think two that come to mind. Um, I have been told many times, um, especially earlier in my career, of you have so much potential, but you, you, you've got to get out of your own way. And I think a lot of that comes with the confidence, right? 
Um, and that just goes back to being a female in, in a male world, right? I mean, IT sales, male dominated. I covered financial services for a very long time, male dominated. Um, you know, it takes a long time to build up your confidence to, to be able to, to feel, you know, comfortable in, in how you're delivering the message and, and, and ability to achieve success. And I think that's from within. No one can teach you confidence. And so some of the best advice that I've gotten is get out of your own way. Uh, and I've really taken that to heart. And I teach that and I mentor that and I coach that to my team too, because there's only so much so far we can go as leaders to help others. Um, there is a part of it that they have to help themselves. And a lot of that comes from the confidence factor. And I think confidence is a muscle too. You have to build it every day. <laughs> Um, constantly. It's not just there forever. Uh, and I think the other um, piece is ask for help. That was one of the things that I didn't do a good job at when I was first, my, you know, when I had first become a VP is I, I just, I thought I could do it all on my own. And, and I was always such a team player, but I felt like I had something to prove to the people around me and that, oh, I don't need help. I've got this. When the reality was, I looked worse off because I didn't ask for help, right? So having that guidance of someone saying to me, and, and I remember, I'll never forget the phone call, and um, it's someone we both know very well, just called me after a big meeting and just said, Kristen, you just got to ask for help. And I sat there and I said, wow, <laughs> yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I probably should have done that. So it, tough, tough um, to hear it, but the right, you know, really impacted uh, how I go about things now. Yeah, that's great. And also kind of similar path too, I think is also, it's okay to say that you don't know. So if you're on a sales call or, uh, you know, uh, early business review or, you know, any types of things, you know, don't try and BS your way through it. If you don't know, customers have, I think, a lot more respect. You just say, don't know, great question, but I'll make sure I get back to you. You know, similarly, if it's a review, if it's a drill down about an account or team or person or whatever, if you don't know, you know, you're much better off being more authentic and more transparent, I guess I'd put it in the category, you know, just like, you know, a a asking for help because everybody's been in a you know similar situation, right? Yep, and being self-aware, right? Just knowing when you need help and going to ask for it and going to figure it out. And hey, we're all going to fail. We're all going to fall. Uh, it's just what we learn and how, what we learn from those failures. Yep, uh, absolutely. Well, um, as uh, Nor gets to then, he uh, it might be a little weird coming from me, but he always asks if anybody has any. Um, he says, uh, I think PG-rated, uh, funny Randy Randy story. So I'll, uh, I'll I'll ask you the same if you ha have anything you want to share. Yeah, I mean, I really, I, I really enjoyed working with you, Randy, and the time that we did. But one thing that really sticks out is a sales kickoff. Uh, and what's interesting is my husband actually uh, works. He still works for HP, but that's where we met. And it's one of the things that he remembers about you as well is uh, at a sales kickoff in Vegas. Um, we had all had a really fun night uh, the night before. And I think 730 in the morning, you were first up on stage. And here you come flying in from above, attached to a harness, looking like you've got like 12 hours of just beauty sleep with a mask and cucumber eyes. I don't know. But you looked fantastic after a fun night. And I just remember thinking, wow, this guy's amazing. <laughs> He can go out and party with the best of them um, and come looking extremely refreshed and deliver a kick-ass presentation. So awesome job. <laughs> Thanks. The uh, the theme there is you, you always have to answer the bell. So the what? Uh, you always have to answer the bell. So yeah. the morning, you had, you had, no matter what you do the night before, you got to be at a... You know, <laughs> exactly. Get, you you, you always up, get, do a good job of that. <laughs> get up and go. But um, you've been a terrific guest. Uh, for those that are not members of the sales community, you can go to salescommunity.com. 
Uh, right now we have a, uh, we call it a no-brainer 30 free trial uh, tied in with uh, our uh, new book, your go-to sales advisor. Uh, we're going to have some, I think, membership specials on there. You can also go to uh, Amazon now to order it. Technically it's backlog, but uh, we're going to be pressing the uh, final button uh, uh, later today to uh, get the books printed. So it'll probably be uh, two, three weeks till they actually get sent. And uh, in closing, Kristen, uh, thank you so much. Any thing you want to uh, add? Yeah, well, thank you so much. This is such a pleasure. I really appreciate you having me on. And uh, thanks for having me a part of your book as well. It's so exciting. Um, congratulations to you. Right. Thank you. And uh, next week, really excited to have Latney from uh, Sixth Sense. Uh, she's a CMO and will be uh, lots of fantastic wor words of wisdom, I'm sure. So everybody have a great rest of day and great week and uh, ch cheer for uh, Duke baseball this weekend, please. Thanks. <laughs>